Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you in the beautiful city of Seattle, where from where I sit here at the Esperance Media Studios. It uh, has a bit of a clearing sky, which I cannot wait to see. And uh, that means, uh, you know, of course, here in Seattle, it should be a nice day. It's supposed to rain later, but that's okay. Uh, you're used to it if you live here. Hope you're doing well, having a good week, and uh, get a chance now to spend an hour together, you and I and Nathan and a couple of guests this morning, uh, talking about cars and so on and so forth. Which uh, cars and life and the automotive world and just the world in general. Um, I'm feeling good. I got my second vaccination. Thank you so much to the wonderful people out at Eatonville High School. Uh, I love Eatonville. Love that little town. I go out there to eat often, and um, uh, and now I go out there to get my vaccinations. And the staff and all the people who. Uh, took care of business, and we're taking care of business at Eatonville High School and the drugstore that's out there. Uh, just a great job of getting you in, getting you out, moving you through, getting you the shot, a little Sinatra in the waiting room while I'm waiting to see if you have some kind of bad reaction, and then back in the car and go. And it, it was a, a beautiful experience. I suggest anybody, uh, especially that's my age, to go out there and get the vaccine, continue to wear your mask, and... Um, and, and live your life, man. That's what it's about, living your life. Uh, what else do we have for you this morning besides me rattling on about vaccines? Um, as I said, two women who make a difference in the automotive world. We will speak first, uh, coming up here in just a minute, to Amy Lerner, who uh, ran the Dakar Rally this year in a classic Porsche. Uh, the rally is uh, no longer in Dakar. It's in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but we'll talk to her about what it's like to compete in a man's world. Let's face it, uh, auto racing uh, at any level is still a man's world. Uh, but is it different than it was back in 1970, 1980, you know, along those lines? And I think it is, and we'll ask her about it. And then Jill Simonillo is going to join us. She's the managing editor of Pickup Truck Mag and SUV Talk which is a great website if you're into SUVs and pickup trucks. And even if you're not, uh, Jill mixes entertainment with her car reviews, which is what I like to do. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not just all about facts and figures and numbers. It's about real life living with the car and how a car or a truck or a vehicle uh, reacts with you in daily life. And Jill picks that, uh, picks that portion of it up very, very well. So excited about that. We've got a cartoon uh, coming up for you this week as well, a Saturday morning cartoon from Ireland, believe it or not. Yes, we uh, head over to Ireland. We'll do that this week and uh, next week uh, when we are planning a big St. Paddy's Day show uh, to feature uh, the Irish automotive industry. So, or what there is of it, really, when you think about it. But there are some interesting things that have gone on, and there's definitely a Seattle tie to that. So uh, we will get that going as well. Uh, right now it's time for um, the, uh, the, the feature that Nathan absolutely waits for every week. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan. Nathan, I thought you'd never ask, Nathan. What am I driving this week? I'm driving the BMW uh, M440i, which is a coupe or coupe uh, that um, is probably, I, I would put it up there in the top five most gorgeous cars I have ever driven. It has that combination with, it has a, a blue color on it, a blue BMW color, that is just, it's magnetic. It attracts people. It, um, you know, it when you park it, people look at it. When you're driving, uh, the person next to you looks at it. And, and the interesting thing that I've noticed about this car, and mechanics aside, we're just talking about uh, pure looks and desires right now, 
is that I, I notice women looking at this car. And I don't know if it's the lines. I don't know if I, I'm interested in talking to a designer or somebody at BMW to, um, you know, to, to find out if, if it was designed with that thought. But I, I can't believe how many women of all ages look at this car. Maybe it's the color. Maybe it's that particular blue uh, that uh, is on this car. But it is a spectacular, you know, driving dynamics for BMW. It's a, you know, six-cylinder. It's fast. It goes. It handles well. It's a bigger car. It's an enjoyable car to drive if you're a bigger person. And uh, and that I like. It's easy in and out. The seats are comfortable. Everything is top quality. It purrs when you start it up. It has that noise that makes you, you know, not put on the radio for a couple of minutes and, you know, kind of get into what the car sounds like if you know if, if, if that's your thing and I know a lot of people just turn on the radio and that's it and never listen but I'm just so impressed with this car as I, I guess a piece of art as an aesthetic um, vehicle to drive now my sister drives uh, a two-door BMW an older one and I sent her pictures and she was cooing she looked at it and said, wow, that's, um, I hadn't seen one of those before. Uh, they're four series. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of controversial on BMW people. And we'll get into that when we do the full review. Uh, but the, the bottom line is enjoyable car to drive. I haven't taken it on the circuit yet, so I don't know all the handling dynamics of it. Uh, but I'm glad I'm driving it. Listen, let's face it. For an older guy like me, it's nice to have a car. Uh, that, you know, that, that women look at, that people look at, I just tell myself they're looking at me. And it all works out in the wash, right? All right, that's what we're driving this week. That's your mini. What are you driving this week? Nathan, thank you for your uh, for your input. We'll, we'll catch up with Nathan a little bit later in the show as we review, uh, review, re- review and road test uh, the Mazda 3 Turbo, which uh, was caught that Nathan and I got in and drove together, and we'll do that a bit later in this show. Uh, right now, we get a chance to welcome in uh, a woman whose uh, history I have been reading about and is so, so impressive in everything that she uh, seems to touch as far as, um, you know, as someone who competes uh, in, in a tough world in, in a, as a race car driver, as somebody who uh, goes out and rallies and does the things that, uh, you know, many people, many people really, you know, consider to be a man's domain. Amy Lerner is with us, and she joins us this morning. Amy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, Amy. I'm good. You know what? In this world of electronics, anytime I hear your voice on the other end, I'm a very happy person. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is this about your 20 million Zoom uh, this past year? Oh, I lost count a long time ago. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you. So, you, um, I I, I love your story. I was turned on to you by one of your crew members, Sue Mead, a a, a wonderful woman who uh, seems to have multiple skills when it comes to moving things. I mean, she flies, she drives, she boats, she roller skates, she surfboards, she does everything. And um, your story was so interesting to me because you, um, under kind of a quick timeline, uh, put a team together and competed in this year's Classic, which there are, uh, the Dakar Rally is not holding Dakar anymore, it's held in Saudi Arabia, but you threw a team together in a short amount of time and competed in that Classic division. Tell me a little bit about putting a team together so quickly. So the Dakar Rally organization actually announced that they were going to be creating this new Dakar Classic event in June. And I had heard about it then, and it is a regularity rally that runs alongside the main rally. And it's for rally race vehicles from pre-2000. And mid-October last year, I just kind of was having a moment and thought, geez, it would be great to be able to go and do something as all of us, you know, sitting home and, and not having an opportunity to enjoy the stuff that we used to enjoy. Um, I wonder if I can 
find a vehicle. And if I can find a vehicle that works, I can put a program together because it was similar to stuff I did before. So I called someone that I knew from other events who worked for ASO, the organization that runs the Dakar Rally. And he said, you know, there's only two weeks till registration closes. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, give it a try. And he said, okay, I'll make some phone calls. Took him about two, three days. He came back with several options for vehicles. And for me, you know, far and away, the winner out of those options was the 1982 Porsche 911 that I ended up purchasing. It was already prepped for off-road rallies. It had won a couple of rallies um, in Morocco, but it hadn't been driven for a couple of years. So we had about six weeks to get it prepped and down to Marseille in France, where it got on the boat to get shipped with all the other rally vehicles to Dakar. And then in the meantime, I got busy working on the rest of it, pulling the mechanics together, getting the support crew, hiring a camper, making sure that we had everything that we needed for the two weeks of rally. And uh, suddenly it was the beginning of January and we were dealing with travel changes. And I think I had four sets of flights because COVID restrictions and borders were opening and closing and we had new quarantine and testing requirements. Um, so it, it went by pretty quickly, but we pulled it off. It's kind of amazing because, I mean, usually these teams are put together or are together for years and years. You know, people kind of change teams and stuff like that. But the basic team is usually, uh, if I'm, if I'm uh, correct at this, together for a while. Yes, typically uh, many, many people actually, in fact, thought I was kind of insane that usually you will plan for a rally event. As soon as the one year's iteration finishes, you start working on the next year and you go and you drive the vehicle you're going to be competing in. You spend time with your co-driver in the car so you guys learn how to communicate. You learn some mechanical skills, how to fix things that might go wrong on your particular vehicle. And you do that over the course of a year. Yeah. So the fact that we pulled it together and made it to the podium uh, finish in, you know, two and a half months all in was amazing. Did, did not knowing your vehicle that intimately, because I know I mean, I've uh, driven competitively at times and, you know, as a, as a driver, you want to intimately know your vehicle. I would think I've never driven in a rally like that, but you would want to intimately know your vehicle in that space of time. Did you feel like you knew the vehicle well enough? I had definitely a learning curve. I was fortunate that in my you know past car history, I had a couple of 911s, never off-road, just the road version. So the basic feel of the car was familiar to me. The two that I had were manual transmissions. So that part of it wasn't an issue. Um, and I went in knowing that I wasn't going to know much of anything about that specific car and this specific rally format. So my expectations were, all right, we're going to just learn as much as we can every day, get better every day. And by the end of it, we were solid. But it really was different for me because my rally experience had been in a four-wheel drive, most of the time, SUV. And going from a four-wheel drive SUV to a two-wheel drive rear-engine sports car the skills and the muscle memory of how you react to terrain without even thinking about it, very, very different. So yeah. it took me it took me several days to really get down how to drive that car. And obviously, if I had had a chance to test ahead of time, I would have known it going in. But as I said, I knew that I didn't know it. So it was a big learning experience. But it makes a good challenge for you, right? I would think. Yeah. I mean, really kind of, you know, I mean, one end is well, probably That was exciting. Scary. Yeah, but on the other side, you're like, Okay, we'll learn. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. Let's go. Um, yeah. We're talking to Amy Lerner, who competed this year in the classic uh, uh, Dakar Rally in Saudi Arabia here on Drive Time Radio, 1150 AM KKNW. It, um, now, this is for people that are a little bit familiar. You have your, your regular rally that happens, and, that's the, and, and, and they have created... Uh, a classic rally now for cars that um, have a little long in the tooth, uh, a little, um, and not mechanically, but certainly classics that people uh, remember and love and bring back. How How is that rally? Do they race right alongside each other? Is it a different race? How does the uh, classic rally kind of differ from the regular rally? So it is an entirely separate event that runs in parallel to where the main rally goes. The main rally is obviously it's a speed rally. If you are the fastest from the start to the finish, you are going to win. Um, the classic is regularity rally, which is a format that means that you start 
at a point and you have to get to the finish in a certain amount of time, which means that you have certain average speeds over that distance and your average speed can change, you know, 20 to 30 times over the course of 50, 60 kilometers. So it's a different type of event. Um, the terrain was very technical. The speeds were challenging given what the terrain was, um, but you're not going full out, but we definitely, I mean, I had a 40 year old sports car, so it definitely puts vehicle management to the test. You really have to know what your car can take. How many people do you have on your crew to keep this thing? I mean, I'm thinking you probably have a co-driver, navigator. How many other people, uh, uh, or uh, uh, you know, some kind of other technical person? Uh, how many other people, and how how you know how do you all? I, I guess how many people does it take to make something like this happen as you're in Saudi Arabia? I had a pretty reason, pretty healthy sized team. I had myself and my co-driver in the car. Then we had a pair of mechanics and a uh, media manager, which was Sue Mead that you mentioned. And then we had a team manager, a woman named Judith Tomaselli, who was just kind of overseeing all the logistics. And that was a great way to do it. But there were two gentlemen, Italian gentlemen in a Peugeot 504 pickup truck, and they were their team. They were like the male moto of the classic. They put their spares in the back of the pickup. They covered it up with a tarp. They had tents and off they went for the day. And that was incredible to see. I, I, well, I think driving a Peugeot 504 itself is probably taking a taking a yeah. shot <laughs> in its own right. So, yeah, I, it, and it, it, it seems to me to be one of those things where you just put a bunch of people together. How do, how do you um, tell me a little bit about your, your co-driver? Because I would think that either that, that if you go out to get somebody uh, to drive with you, they got to be simpatico to have to be know a lot about um you know, driving a vehicle, have to know a lot about the rally thing. They have to know a lot about you. Or can you just take, pick somebody up off the street and say, come on, let's go. Well, I had a co-driver in mind who I asked to go with me, who I had competed with in a couple of other events. And she was not able to go because of um, work commitments. So I spent some time thinking, well, geez, do I just find somebody I don't have such a relationship with, but who knows the rally side of it? Or do I find somebody that I know we're going to have this incredible time over two weeks? and you know, learn what we can learn. And that's how I ended up asking Sarah Bossart, who is an architect uh, living in Barcelona, who is also a good friend of mine and a business partner, if she wanted to go. Now she had barely driven a car in the past 10 years, didn't know how to change a tire, knew nothing about motorsports, but I knew because of her architecture brain and the fact that she was a competitive sailor and she knows sailing navigation, that she would understand the regularity concept. And she was open to the adventure and willing to learn. And she just completely fell in love. She is now addicted to cross-country rally. Wow. You, you know, it's funny you bring that up because many years ago, uh, when I lived back in New York, um, I used to be part of a team uh, uh, th that was uh, uh, one of the first female drivers. This was 1973 or something, 72, something like that. And we would compete out at Bridgehampton. And uh, the driver of the car and her husband and a few other people on the team were sailors. They were catamaranists. And, and they seemed to have, you know, not big, uh, you know, but they seemed to have a good feel uh, for the cross between sailing and competitive driving. They, you know, they, they ran their catamarans uh, competitively. And it just seemed to be something about the two that meshed that I noticed even way back then. Yeah, Sarah actually said something really interesting to me. She said that when she's sailing, if something goes wrong, you can't pull over to the side of the road and stop and figure it out. The ocean doesn't stop moving. The wind doesn't stop moving. So she was used to that mindset. So for her, the fact that if you're in the car and something goes wrong or you get super lost or this and that, you can just stop, take a breath, figure it out, fix it, and then carry on your way. And she was used to not having that luxury being on the sea. That's why I never learned to fly because I'm one of those, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, you know, I could drive a car from here to eternity and back again, but you know, you're flying and something goes wrong and you know, you, you can't call AAA. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I'm one of those people that drive a car and I let the gas thing go all the way down and you know, probably, probably the smartest decision I've ever made. Um, how were the challenges of, uh, as a woman 
race. Well, I'll start with Saudi Arabia. Work backwards. How, how was that um, situation? A country that uh, basically gave women the right to drive about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, that component of it was quite interesting, and I, you know, spent some time thinking that through and for me personally realized you know the the best thing you can do in that situation is just show up and it shows you know women all over the world because the percentage of women in motorsports is a lot lower than the percentage of women in the overall population and just by being an example and saying hey you know if i can do it anybody can do it you know there's nothing about this that says you're female you can't go and the atmosphere is really welcoming. Um, and it's, you know, it's a different culture. So it was an experience to see a different part of the world and a different way of life. Does uh, does the fact that you com- competed in this race and other races, um, do you think that has, I don't know, a piece in re- reinforcing the decision that they made to let women drive over there when they see somebody like you show up and compete well and so on and others others like you show up um does it uh, you know do you think it has an effect on them or does it have the opposite effect where they go oh we don't you know these these people are too good we don't want them in our uh, in our race i don't I, honestly I, I i don't know that point but i do think that just being an example of a a sports person and a competitor and a professional is always going to be beneficial. How tough has it been, Amy, to uh, to operate as as a race car driver? This wasn't your first race. Um, in a, in a world in such a male dominated uh, sport, I mean, I'm sure uh, you know if if the racing world that you live in is anything like the racing world I've seen. Uh, you know, it goes from cracks and, uh, my God, I never let you drive my car or the women driver jokes all the way up to probably guys, you know, thinking that, uh, oh, you know, she's here for one thing and one thing only. Uh, that kind of Neanderthal thinking that I remember from when I was a kid. How, how tough is it to get past all of that stuff and still compete? Does that weigh on your mind at all when you're, when you're not just driving but just trying to, to operate in this world? Honestly, no. <laughs> and I don't I don't know if, uh, you know, things have just progressed or evolved or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, from your early days, or if it's just the fact that my experiences have been in off-road and desert racing and rally, which tends to be a very uh, family-oriented from the, you know, you ever race in Baja and you go to the Baja 1000, People have their wives there, the kids there, their their sisters in the car driving. You know, it's 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 really a family environment, and everybody has always been super super supportive. And even you know, gender aside, blood relationships aside, everybody's very supportive in that environment because you are off road. Your your pit crew is not around the curve of the track. They can be hundreds of miles away. So people help each other. They stop. You know, you're all kind of in it together, even though people are highly competitive. Well, you know, that's really good to hear because I mean, I remember again. We didn't do rally racing. We did road racing, uh, you know, places like Bridgehampton and so on and so forth, Lime Rock. And um, I just remember as being a, a member of a crew that had a female driver, some of the uh, abuse and some of the stuff that was said and things like that, uh, I, I don't know how uh, my friend took it every week. I mean, there was some really, you, you know, I mean, again, we're talking a, a different age, a different time. Uh, but it certainly was tough for her at times, you know, mentally, and I always admired her for the way she was able to um, to stay in there and not let all of it bother her and run a successful, I mean, she ran a BMW 1600 in this, uh, 2002 in B Sedan. And I mean, she was, um, you know, she was very, very successful in her era, uh, you know, doing this on the weekends. I, would, uh, I always had a great admiration for her uh, to be able to do that and thought that she opened doors, I think, for people who came after her. Uh, when guys would look and say, oh, a woman can compete on the same level that we can. Yeah, I, I think I think that's it. I think I think just times have changed. And I think that the more women that just show up and are do what they can do, the more women are going to that will follow. And right. I, as I said, honestly, you know, I think one guy in Australia asked me to wash his car. <laughs> And, and, you know, 12 years of doing this, that was it. 
And I oh. worked my early career on Wall Street, so I've heard lots of things. Oh, yeah. But yeah. in racing, no, not at all. That's, that's Everybody awesome, loves the yeah. sport. They want more people involved in the sport. And, you know, I've just I've just encountered support and help from all factions. So where do you and the car go from here? What the, well, let me back up a second. How did you finish? How did, uh, how did everything go down in, in, in Saudi Arabia? So we finished second in class and 15th overall. And that was, as I said, uh, you know, I am very competitive. I would have loved to have been on an overall podium, but knowing, knowing the challenges we were facing going in, the fact that we just climbed up in the rankings every day was great. Um, from here, I don't know the car's currently in Belgium at the shop getting its uh, post rally tune up. And then there's a possibility that it stays in Europe for some events and maybe the classic next year. Uh, or maybe I'll bring it to the U.S. and run it down in Baja, the Nor Mexican 1000. That would be fun too. Um, I, I was yet to the uh, now. Uh, how many of these events are back so far? With because uh, I know events now are starting to come back with the COVID situation. Um, are, are most of the events on this circuit back again, or or are we 50-50? How do we look? I think it's better than 50-50, and things are starting to come back. I mean, the fact that the Dakar rally happened at all in January was an amazing testament to the com- commitment and the logistical genius of not only ASO, the organization, but everybody who went there who was willing to follow the protocols and, you know, keep their distance and take their tests and do all that. And I think I think hopefully with, you know, vaccines and time, we'll be able to get back to a little bit more normal schedule. If there's one race that you could drive that you haven't, uh which one would it be? Uh, I would have to say the main Dakar rally. Uh, uh, what, what is the, uh, uh, I'm just off the top of my head, what is the investment? I mean, what does it cost to put a team together? Uh, is it possible? Or is that one of those things where you have to have so many different sponsors? That yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a 12-day event. Um, it's not inexpensive. It's probably at a minimum between three and five hundred thousand dollars plus a vehicle. Just that's to uh, enough that's an expensive ticket. That's yeah, an expensive it's, ticket. It's it's a big undertaking. Amy, it's good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for spending some time. I think that uh, there's probably somebody listening to the show right now saying, "Well, you know what? I got this old Porsche out in the backyard. Maybe I'll put it together and uh, and try to compete in this thing." Excellent. That'd be great. The more the merrier. <laughs> exactly. Amy, thank you so much for your time and, and good luck and continued uh, safety and success to you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Take care. Amy Lerner joining us here on uh, Drive Time Radio. We get a chance to, uh, to speak to her about, uh, about rally racing. I-, I think it's a fantastic thing to watch, especially to take a Porsche and go and take it off road. It takes a little bit of, of nerve, I would say. All right. As we continue on our theme today, time now for our Saturday morning cartoon. And I picked one out this morning that um, celebrated women because that's what we're doing here on the show this morning, celebrating International Women's Day. This is from an Irish country western singer. How do you like that? There's, there's, There's supposedly, from what I can see, a pretty big country western scene in Ireland. And uh, this woman, Pamela Gil Martin, has uh, a bunch of songs. She tends to write about uh, very earthy subjects. And uh, this one is not an original of hers. This song was done by Red Sovine many years ago. Uh, but she certainly makes it, well, her own. Let's take a listen to it here on the Saturday Morning Cartoon. There you go, Pamela Gil Martin is her name. She's a country singer out of Ireland, and uh, just a couple of different uh, hits. Well, I don't know if you want to call them hits, but uh, they certainly are popular in Ireland. I did not know much about her until I happened to be uh, putting together next week's show and uh, saw her music and looked at it. I mean, she's got that one, The Woman Behind the Man Behind the Wheel. Uh, That is uh, an old Red Sovine song, and... uh, that was, uh, I guess, in the uh, early 70s, uh, Red put that out there, and a popular truck driving anthem. And uh, Pamela has a couple of uh, truck driving hits out there. Uh, 
The one that I really like is, uh, I mean, I like that one. I thought that's great, but the, uh, the one I really like is 18 Wheels and Jesus. And we'll have to play that for you uh, sometime uh, soon as well on uh, the Saturday morning cartoon here on Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and speak to Jill Simonello, the managing editor of uh, Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. What does it take to be a Buick? It takes a car as wild and wonderful as the new Buick Wildcat for 64. When you go the way of the Wildcat, people take notice. They want to know more about your car. They'll want to drive it themselves. But beware, once they get behind the wheel, it's hard to get them out. Sixty-four Wildcat. It's the wildest. And above all, it's a Buick. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Back here on Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW. By the way, I I, I just want to throw this in because I'm this crazy trivia guy and I always think about the craziest things. But uh, in that Buick commercial, uh, the voice of of that commercial is uh, William Shallert. And uh, William Shallert played Patty Duke's father on the Patty Duke show. So that's something that you can now amaze your friends with uh, as you, because I think we're, you know, with all these Zoom meetings and quarantine and everything and staying home, we're running out of things to say to each other. So now you can amaze your friends with that. Uh, Joining me now is uh, a good friend and somebody uh, who is in this business. I've acquired her work uh, a long time. Because she gets it. As, as I said to her when we were do, putting this together, uh, Jill Simonello puts together the entertainment part along with the fact part and shows cars and trucks and SUVs uh, in a way that is not only informative, that gives you the facts, but also entertaining. You can laugh. She climbs in trunks. She gets in cargo boxes. She shows us the cup holders, which for many people... Is the most important part of the car. Jill Simonello joins us right now. Right, Jill, how many people look at a car and the first thing they do, they open the door and they look, where are the cup holders? Exactly. Well, you know, and the, and the funny thing is, is I've actually had a, a, one of my followers told me that not only do I need to, like, look at cup holders, I need to see how Starbucks cups specifically <laughs> fit in the cup holders. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start expensing my coffee and doing Starbucks uh, cup holder tests. And... You know, I like the logic. I like the idea. Okay, this is expensive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if now what you need to do is every week get a different tumbler to see how the <laughs> tumbler fits in. And that, that'd probably give you 15 bucks a week and a heck of a tumbler collection. Right, right. Well, you know, I know my, I, I have a large, so I'm a runner in, in my other life. And so I have a very large, like 24 ounce water bottle that I pretty much take with me everywhere. And, um, of course I don't have it sitting next to me at the moment cause I'm currently drinking coffee, but, um, I can't fit it in a lot of the cup holders cheers. and it, <laughs> yeah, cheers. It, it drives me a little bit nuts. So. Yeah. You want, you know, the one thing you look for when you get in the car, I think sometimes all of us, we get in and we look, okay, does this fit here? Because we're, you know, when you drive a car, most people driving a car, they put their stuff in there and bang. It's in, you know, you're, you're, this is here and that's here and this is here. Yep. We have, most of us that do this, have the kit. I call it the kit. Yeah, a car and bag. Yeah, the car bag. And it, it's <laughs> something that you can, when, they, when you're switching cars, can get everything into it about 10 seconds, carry it from car to car, and it has uh, the essentials. You know, a, a pen, a pad to write things down on. Uh, different cup holders. Me, I carry a, a little statue of a rat in the infinite prog that I put on a dashboard. Uh, you know, all different things that you want to have with you uh, that you would have in your car and in your trunk. Obviously, a flashlight. I carry a small first aid kit, uh, you know, just in case. And, um, you know, you want to be... And But for most people, 
you know, it goes right there, there, and there, and they never really, um, I don't know, you know, they never think about it after that. And we're always thinking about that kind of stuff. Yes. And I guess you have to, um, you know, you really have to, uh, to take that into account when you buy a car, uh, of where does the stuff go? <laughs> Although I think more people, and it's always have bothered me, I think more people take into account the cup holders than how well does the child's safety seat latch into a car? Well, you know, it's it's not only like how does the safety seat latch in, it's like how safe is the car in general? What's my driving position? You know, how do I feel driving this car? And, um, I, you know, there's so much that goes into it. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, I'm, I'm what they call a fifth percentile female. And so um, I try to look at stuff from a more practical perspective in terms of where things go, how things fit. But yeah, that safety sit, seat is super important. And I don't know um, if there are any parents out there, you have to follow cars.com because they actually do like a safety seat test in pretty much every um, car that they drive and they have parents doing it. So I, I'm not a parent, I don't have any kids. So me trying to put a safety seat in a back seat would actually probably be very funny. <laughs> Because I have no idea how it works, uh, but but cars.com does a really good job of of testing that and making sure that um, the, the 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 safety seats fit, fit. And I mean, it it is probably like you said, one of the most important things. Exactly. Speaking about safety, uh, I noticed in your stuff that you were driving uh, the Genesis, the Tiger Woods car, the same yeah. week I think that he had the accident <laughs> last week. Right? Talk about coincidence. Uh, um, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How was that? How, how, when you saw that, how did that strike you? Um, so I literally got it the same day the accident happened. And um, so I'll be honest with you, I put off posting about it for about five days because I was like, that, you know, it's probably not quite appropriate. Yeah. And, and even now, so I have um, a TikTok account and uh, I, I would say every other comment on the GV80 stuff that I've been putting out there is about the Tiger Woods accident. And uh, from what I've read about the accident, tell me if you've seen something different, but it seems like the vehicle rolled several times before yeah. landing on its side. And I am of the opinion that that vehicle saved his life. It, you know, it has some really cool technology in terms of it has this new center airbag that pops up, you know, from the center console between like the passenger and the driver's side seat. You know, it has airbags, you know, basically encapsulating the cabin, including knee airbags. And the intrusion into the cabin really wasn't um, as great as you might think. And, and that's one of the great things about safety of vehicles these days is the intrusion into the cabins has really gone down. So like the engine isn't like coming into the driver's right. lap and, you know, things aren't, you know, coming into this this space and you know they're still looking at to why you know he broke his legs and you know his leg and what happened but I, I think the last thing I read was the general consensus was is that he tried to do an emergency maneuver too late and moved his leg which could potentially account for some of the injury but I, I'm going to be I'm definitely following this story I'm super curious about you know, what happened and, and what this means for car safety. And I bet you that NHTSA and IIHS are also looking at this to figure out how to make their crash tests even better. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that, that without a doubt, the technology uh, that uh, Hyundai, which is the parent company of Genesis, put into this car, uh, that you will get in, in, in most expensive cars these days, uh, you know, saved its life. Also, which not many people, I don't know if people are, are really harping on this thing, but I, I've heard from more than one person that the fact that he had his seatbelt on uh, was, you know, and it's very easy uh, for people to get in the car and you're going down the corner or you're going down the street, you don't put it on for a second. And the idea that he had the seatbelt on when these cars roll, it's not, you know, especially a smaller guy, it's not uh, unheard of for somebody to be forced out of the car or out a window mm -hmm. or something like that. I think I read somewhere that many of these crashes are caused by the car rolling over on top of somebody mm -hmm. who's ejected out of the car. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, again, we don't like to, you know, you don't want to capitalize on anything like that, but a, a great safety ad 
uh, you know, or, or a great safety endorsement for Genesis that, that he was in that accident and, sur- you know, survived it with, uh, you know, an, an injury that will keep him alive. I mean, golfing is one thing, mm-hmm. but uh, how would you like the car otherwise besides the uh, safety stuff? You know, I loved it. I thought it, it was beautifully put together. That Some of the finishing touches were just amazing to me. I, I don't know if you've looked at any of the interior photos or if you've yeah, seen yeah. inside, but like there's uh, the silver um, etching around pretty much every detail from the turn signal indicator to <laughs> the cup holders. And, um, you know, so the details were really, really great. I thought the seats were very comfortable in all seating positions. So back seat and front seat. Um, I, I liked how it drove. I had the 2.5 liter turbocharged engine and so four cylinder and I, I'm an aggressive driver. If anybody has ever read anything that I, I've written, I'm kind of like full throttle all the time. And I didn't experience any turbo lag. I didn't feel like it was underpowered. I thought it did. I mean, I'm not taking it to a racetrack. It's an SUV. Yeah. But for, for what it was, like, I, I thought it did a really, really good job. And uh, I, I, you know, there, I, I do have to say there were a couple things that annoyed me. But for the most part, like, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, so because I was in the 2.5 liter engine there were a couple of things that are not available on that model and one is that full 12.3 inch digital display like i really would like to have that option it had like this two-thirds digital display so like the blind view monitor appeared on the um, right side in the 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 digital area there Um, but in the full display you get the blind view monitor behind the tack and the speedometer Um, and so i i would have liked that to be an option like i get that it wouldn't be base but i want it available on the four-cylinder engine and you cannot get a third row seat in the four-cylinder engine model And so that that I thought was a little bit odd. I, I would like both of those things to at least be available. Yeah. Um, and and there was also not wireless Apple CarPlay. So those those were my three like things that I was just a little yeah. bit put off about. Not deal breakers by any stretch. Yeah, of yeah. I mean, if you're weird. gonna buy a car, some of those things, you know, if you want a three row, then you know you'll go for the bigger uh, uh, the bigger engine. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, but. Uh, you know, it looks I can't wait to drive it. I'm very excited about <laughs> driving it. Let me uh, let me go into a little bit of an area here um, that uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about because we, we are talking about International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. You work in an industry that is uh, so male-dominated uh, that it's, uh, it's crazy, and it's better now probably than it ever was. What... Um, how do you find working in this industry? Uh, what, what challenges are there? To you as a woman, or are there challenges? Or are we in a place where everything is hunky-dory? I know there are. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that you have gotten, you know, uh, passes made at you. And, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're a girl type of thing. How how tough has it been for you to to survive and prosper in this industry? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I I should point out, um, I've been writing about cars for almost 20 years now. Um, That makes me feel very old, Uh, but I started right out of college, and um, I like to say that I was young, dumb, and stupid (laughs) at the time because um, I didn't didn't know that the automotive industry was male-dominated, or at least it didn't register with me, so I just thought, oh, I'm going to be writing about cars. Cool. Let's go, And, and so frankly, I didn't understand when I was that young the prejudices and the the hill that I was climbing up. And, and so what ignorance is bliss, not knowing, I just whoo, charge forward. And, um, you know, in some ways I recognize the, the difficulty more now. And, and of course, at the very beginning, I did have, I had a freelancer who worked for me, who was a, a man and, um, I would call a manufacturer and I'd be like, I need this bit of information, or I'm looking to get into this car to check out this. And people were like, why are we talking to you? And I was like, cause I'm the editor. And they're like, well, but I thought so-and-so was your boss. And I was like, and why would that be? And they're like, well, because he's a man. And I was like, okay, let, 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 now, now you've just entered into a different conversation. And, and so I did have that a little bit. And that was like my first inkling of, oh, I'm going to have a little bit of an uphill battle to, to forge here. And, and, but, you know, it, it, 
as you move on, I feel like I've proven myself. Um, you know, I was the automotive editor first for Pioneer Press newspaper, which was, was a weekly suburban newspaper in Chicago. I moved on to be the online automotive editor for the Chicago Sun-Times, which is one of our major dailies. And I've blogged for the Chicago Tribune. And then I, you know, the, the last big corporate job I had was being the automotive editor for um, Sinclair Broadcast Group. And uh, so I feel very lucky and blessed that as a woman, I was able to do all of those things. And I was also the first female president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association. And, and so, you know, I, I would say there was, you know, certainly a lot of head padding and an, oh, honey, this is a manual transmission. Can you drive that? But I just kind of was like, okay, go away. Let me beat you on the racetrack and then we'll come back and have that conversation again. And so, I mean, I feel like I did have to prove myself over and over and over again, but at this point, I feel like people know who I am and, and they've moved on to other people to give them a hard time instead <laughs> because they're like, oh no, that's Jill. Just leave her alone. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to mess with Jill. Yeah. Leave Jill. Let's I may, leave. I may be small. Uh, but I, one of my friends in the industry calls me a bulldog. So they're, they're like, she's small, but mighty don't mess with her. And I'm like, that would be true. It's, it, it's, it's gotta be tough. I mean, I, I, listen, I've been, I grew up in this business. I mean, I, I, you know, stood at the gas station, you know, when guys would sit there, the mechanics would whistle at every <laughs> woman that walked by, you know, and, uh, you know, nine guys would run out, uh, you know, to pump gas in a woman's car when she, you know, come out because they wanted to look at her and ogle her. And I, you know, and I remember, um, you know, when I was a, a kid, we had a, a woman tow truck driver. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, I mean, she got written up in the newspaper all the time. I remember one of the newspapers asking her to pose with a pair of shorts on. So, you know, so, so it could be like a page six thing. And <laughs> it, 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 it always was, you know, kind of disgusting to me. And, you know, geez, you know, I mean... Uh, you, you know, I mean, it's somebody trying to do a job, and you and you're 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 treating her like uh, I don't know a piece of meat. And I'm 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 glad to know, and I know there are still people in our industry uh, that are never going to get past that. And you meet them, you know, when they get, especially if you're at one of these dinners, and they get a couple in them, they really get a little outrageous. Uh, but uh, I I think the fact that we look and and there are more opportunities for women in this business. Mm -hmm. Uh, than ever before. You have the president of a of General Motors is a woman. Yeah. It, it, are they plastic opportunities or are they real? I mean, do you feel when you look at this mm -hmm. that they're real opportunities that uh, that are meaning something? I, you know, I think they're real opportunities. I, I actually just finished uh, writing an article about women being role models for women. And in one of the, the people that I interviewed was... Um, you know, a mentor. And, and she was like, here's the thing. You can't be what you can't see. And, you know, that's a, a famous quote, I think, uh, from Sally Ride, maybe, you know, who was one of the first female astronauts who was up in space. And but that's so true. You can't be what you can't see. And so I, you know, I think that maybe 20, 30 years ago, there was a little bit of, um, you know, oh, let's just, you know, put her in this position. And, you know, it's it's a it, kind of a seamy thing. But uh, I think now the real opportunities, I think women are really making a difference. The editor in chief of cars.com is a woman. And um, so you're starting to see women elevated into these positions. I think it's I think it's awesome. And and being able to forge the path and be the example and and help other women along I, you know i'm i'm a firm believer in that i i have a shirt that says strong women lift each other up and and i i just think that's so true and and i'm i'm you know happy to be in the position that i'm in and hopeful that if any female out there were looking for an in into this industry that you know if i could help or give advice or have a chat that i'm absolutely 100 percent willing to do that would you um if you had a daughter would you advise her to get into this if, if she said okay ma I, I like what you do. Uh, it's really groovy. You get to drive cars and talk to really, you know, cool people who design cars and so on and so forth. Would, would you advise her to get into this industry? Um, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I would have no qualms about it. I would just say, uh, yes, but, you know, be prepared to be better than everybody else. Be prepared to work harder than everybody else. And um, be prepared to be called honey a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, Jill, that would be my name, not honey. 
but but no, I mean, absolutely. I think I think girls should never be afraid, and I I think that they should do what they want to do. You know, in this article that I wrote. Um, and another young woman, she was 24 years old. She told me, you know, one of her bosses who was a strong female said, people are going to call you bitchy and they're going to call you bossy. Who cares? Do what you got to do, get your job done and be your best self and, and, you know, ignore everything else. So, I, I mean, if I had a daughter, I would say, make sure you have thick skin, um, but do it, go for it. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think in this business in a lot of ways, Women, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it's much tougher, but I think you have to have a little bit of thick skin in any in any situation because yeah. there are a lot of, you know, there's the old curmudgeons <laughs> in this business. I mean, we've yeah. all run into them, and there's there's people that no that that will know more than anybody, no matter what, even if they don't know anything. So, which I don't think is unique to the automotive business. I mean, I cross over into sports and mm-hmm. and and regular news, and you you got it there too, and and, and especially. In the case of women, I think it's tough in, in those particular disciplines too to, to do stuff because it, it still was such for so many years a male-dominated um, you, you know industry and and media so a medium so it's it's really tough. Um, what are you working on now? What are you driving this week? Um, I just swapped into the 2022 Acura MDX. I just left it. Okay. I just 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 gave it up uh, the other day. That, what a vehicle, huh? It, you, I, well, so I had the, the TLX a few weeks ago in the middle of a snowstorm, and I have to tell you, I was so impressed with the super handling all-wheel drive. I don't think we're going to get any snow in Chicago while I'm driving the MDX, but I bet the MDX would do amazing in snow, and the seats are kind of, like, I'm just starting to explore it. I'm, I'm going to go out this afternoon and take a long drive and press all the buttons, but um, the, the the entry graphic when you get into the car like sets the stage for how awesome this is going to be you get in and then it has that spinning throbbing Acura symbol that you know pulses and you know there's this great um sound and i and and you're just like okay wow now the rest of the vehicle is going to wow me too and it does I, you know i really like it so far when you put it into sport it has like this hyper thing that looks like a galaxy quest when they start to move through space. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I, I call it yeah. the galaxy quest feature <laughs> because not only does it hit, but all of the ambient lighting in the vehicle changes as yes. well. Yes. Jill, it's good to talk to you, man. It's good to see you. And I, I hope to see you soon. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Jill. Take care. Jill Simonillo from... Uh, pick up truck and suvtalk.com. You can find her there. And uh, you can find us leaving, getting into all cars and leaving because it's another edition of Drive Time in the map, uh, in the books. Don't forget, next week, our special St. Patrick's edition of Drive Time Radio, we found an Irish car in Seattle. Can you believe it? An Irish car here in Seattle. We'll tell you about it next week. Thank you to Jill. Thank you to Amy. And of course, to Nathan for making everything happen. We'll catch up with you next Saturday morning at 8, if the Lord's willing, and the creek don't rise. Have a good week.